What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a Monday edition of Texas All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. Very happy to be with you. And well, we got a jammed show coming up. We're going to hear from your head coach and ours, Lovey Smith. We love getting the opportunity to speak with the head ball coach. So we got Lovey Smith and the NFL Top 100 player list has been announced. Tom Brady's at number one. I'm going to get Mark Vandermeer's thoughts on that. Where did AFC South players end up on the list? What was the highest? The highest is number five, Jonathan Taylor. So we'll talk a little bit about that and the Colts. Uh, after a little bit, there's been some news in the NFL. Jimmy Garoppolo is actually staying with the 49ers. Mark and I talked about that this morning, and I actually brought up the thought of keeping an insurance plan, that being Jimmy Garoppolo. And I was right. I was right. Jimmy Garoppolo staying with the San Francisco 49ers for the year. The Jaguars made a deal. LaVisca Chenault going to the Panthers. The Texans are in the process of getting the roster down. We'll have more information about that tomorrow. The date, uh, well, the time is 3 p.m. That's the key date to get down to the 53-man roster, but it'll be ongoing. The 53-man roster is not a static, boom, done it is always fluid and moving, and the man in charge of leading that 53-man roster into battle every Sunday is Lovey Smith, and Mark and I had a chance to catch up with the head coach earlier today. Joining us now, Texans Radio's head coach, Lovey Smith. Coach, tell us what this week is like. No game. You got 13 days before the opener. Uh, kind of recovery a little bit. That's a big part of it. Guys have gone through an awful lot. Uh, of course, name you know, establishing the roster as we go forward, but continuing to grow as a football team. I mean, we just got through a practice this morning, so that's important. Keep everything going. For the most part, we're healthy, and that excitement of you know, first game of the year is coming quickly. Is there? I don't say more excitement, but is there more excitement because it is a division opponent and it's a divisional opponent? that is thought to be the best in the division, the Indianapolis Colts. Is there more excitement because of that, Coach? Oh, I think you can easily say there's more excitement for that. And not only, you know, division opponent, one that dominated us last year. Yeah. So, for us to – I mean, we think we're a better ball club. And uh, every step along the way that we've, you know, really evaluated where we are, uh, it says that we're better, but uh, we need to do it now. Uh, versus the Colts. We know that they're a good football team in a lot of areas. Uh, but we're excited about playing them to see exactly where we are. So training camp, media, fans, we were able to watch a lot of practice. Now practices are closed, Coach. And do you work on getting better at football and those things or game planning, combination, I'm sure, but how do you handle all, the, all we, that? For sure, we want to continue to develop as players. We're not there yet. But, you know, the preseason, most teams uh, are going to do a lot of things differently. Mm -hmm. uh, there is game playing involved right now, absolutely. Uh, we've already started it. We know, again, we know who our opponent is. So a lot of things that we didn't do in the preseason, of course, we'll be doing during the regular season. And you can start honing in on those things now. Coach, the CBA doesn't allow you to have a bunch of padded practices, even from now through the end of the year. As a coach that wants his team to be physical and win physically, how does that change things for you as you prep to get ready for an opponent like the Colts in particular, but just for a whole season in which you want to be that physical, but yet in practice you really can't practice being physical? Yeah, I, I'm a big boxing fan, 
you know, and they don't go and slug it out, you know. They spar right. an awful lot. Mm-hmm. So I believe in that. Uh, we didn't tackle. We didn't do anything full uh, during training camp. But I think you can get in position. So we'll continue. I think you can still be a physical ball club. Guys know when you need to be that way. And with a long season, you just really can't. So that's just a part of it. But our mindset that we have should always be about being physical. As we set our roster up, it's about being physical. You said mentioned being a boxing fan. A, do you use boxing analogies as you talk to the team? And B, who's your boxer? I, I, we use every, any tool we think will help get the point across a little bit. But, you know, I'm, I'm coming a little bit older. So, yeah. uh, of course, Ali Frazier. Um, mm. George Foreman is an East Texas guy. Yep. You know, um, and, of course, the young boy. I don't know as much about the young box. I'm kind of UFC fighter now. Yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. now. All right, very good. Coach, as you get the roster down to 53, I know the practice squad is 16 players, so you get to keep a lot of the players that you want to keep that have been with you throughout camp. What is it like practicing today and tomorrow and making the cuts along the way, that whole process? Because you have to coach, you have to participate in that process as well. What is that like? What can you share with us? Well, it's uh, challenging. Um, But you mentioned, you know, everybody, hey, when are you getting down to the 53? But it really is about 69 as you count Mm -hmm. the practice squad guys. And we have one international player. So where is about the 70 that we get down to? The next two days will be more challenging. Tomorrow will be the actual day that we start cutting guys, uh, getting the roster down. So when we don't practice tomorrow, but Wednesday we do have a practice. Mm. That's when we'll have to piece it together a little bit. Around Thursday, though, for Thursday's practice, we'll be at full force ready to go. Coach, you talk about recovery, and the first thought is, oh, yeah, the players after a tough preseason, but it's also for coaches, too. During that sort of recovery time, how will the coaches sort of recover with, I don't know, maybe a day off here, a day off there? How will your coaches and you recover to get ready for the season? Well, you know, our recovery is a little bit different. Um, we we do. You know, nowadays, you know, after the last preseason game, we had, what, 17 days left. So we'll take a couple of days here and there uh, to watch high school game. We have coaches with, you know, high yeah. school athletes playing and all of that. But – now is it, it's about the grind. The grind has started uh, throughout. And, um, you know, even if we're not here, I mean, we're home now. We're in that football mode forever. Coach, correct me if I'm wrong, but positives from the preseason that you can take with you into the regular season, getting after the quarterback, getting some pressure in the backfield. You did it last year. You did a whole lot more of it even in, during the preseason. That looks to be trending in the right direction as you head into the regular season. Yes, and our team, our defense, our defensive line, they know what it's about. Uh, the defensive line is the engine of our defense. They make everything go. Uh, we put a big emphasis on them. In order for us to play great defense, they have to show up each play. We saw a lot of signs from the preseason, absolutely. We have good depth. We saw that in the preseason. And that'll just need to carry on as much as anything. Coach, you got some young players on this roster who have never played in an NFL regular season game where obviously not only does the intensity ramp up, but if you're a starter, you're going to play a lot more than maybe you were playing in the, in the regular or in the preseason. For rookies, what's the best mode for them to, to sort of handle a regular season game as opposed to training camp in preseason where that volume gets turned up to another three notches? 
Well, you're right. A lot of our players, you know, they play big-time ball, yeah. a lot of people in the stands. I don't think that's going to affect them much right. once you come to the NFL. But uh, you mentioned uh, just right now, you know, in the preseason, you know, our guys have played maybe a half. Yeah. The difference will be once we start the regular season, some of them will be playing the entire game. And veterans can talk to them a little bit, but you keep training that way. Yeah. We have an excellent – uh, strength and conditioning, medical staff to get the guys prepared. But I think that'll be the biggest adjustment. And eventually the amount of games. You know, it's, it's no 12, 13 yeah. games. I mean, we're playing, we're playing over 20. So, uh, but our players will adjust. Coach, you've been very clear. You're a running football team. You want to be physical. You said that your favorite play from the game on Thursday against the 49ers was that nine-yard run by Pierce and the lead blocking by Harrison, that kind of thing. It seems like that sort of play gives everybody a lift, offense, defense, special teams, the whole organization, really. Yeah, when you know we're talking about being physical, uh, we just can't talk about it. You know, We have to show it. And that play showed what type of football team we want to be. You know, fullback, 21 personnel, lead week. There's no running and hiding. Everybody, you know, that, you know, the 15th round of the heavyweight fight, you know, with a minute left, 30 seconds left, and, you know, it's a tie, you know, it's that. And in the same sense, though, one of my, my favorite play on defense was the same play that they ran where we stuffed in for two yards. So – it comes down to stopping the run, being able to run the football. I understand the passing game. I understand t the turnover ratio. But if you say you're a physical football team, some plays you're going to have to show it. When you said the other day at the press conference that weak ISO lead week was your favorite play, I, I almost came out of my shoes. I was happy. That just tugs at <laughs> my heartstrings. I went to that play. You can have this play card of a million plays. I mean, you have your play card, right, Coach? I mean, you've got every single scenario broken down. But, yeah, you got a pet play, though. I mean, everybody has – that was mine. That play was getting called 10, 12 times. But as you get ready for the Colts, Coach, they've got a new quarterback, but they've got the same coaching staff. So they've got a lot of same personnel, but they got a quarterback that's completely different. As you prepare for that, what becomes more important? What they've done in the past, what Matt Ryan has done, kind of bringing it all together, and when is too much information too much getting ready for one particular team? Well, I don't think too much. there's ever too much information. And um, getting ready for the Colts, I mean, we say that, hey, we're a running football team. If you talk to the Colts, they're going to say, we're a running football team. Yeah. They have an excellent tailback. We may get to the run a little different way, but eventually it's about them blocking that our defensive line, our front seven. They're coming right at us. It's not going to be any, a lot of guesswork. Uh, their tailback will get his carries. We have to stop the run. The times when we haven't played well against them, you know, we played them the first time up there. We gave us some big passes that shouldn't happen. Yeah. But what they were able to do in the running game is what really caused them to win the game. Coach, what did you think of the event on Saturday night, the season premiere, benefiting the Houston Texans Foundation? Uh, I, I think um, it went the way most things go around here from what I've seen. I mean, this year it's a new year, new energy, outstanding job. We raised so much money, more than we've ever raised. And a lot of people kind of contributed to that. It took a team to get that done, to set it up in our indoor facility. And then to see our – you know, I've been seeing all of our players uh, in, a, in sweaty uniforms. <laughs> to, to see them dress up, to see their beautiful spouses, just a great night for Houston Texan football. 
for our entire organization. Uh, but that's how it seemed like momentum has been going for our organization that way lately. Coach, this past weekend, it was week zero in college football. You talked about some um, some of your coaches with high school and getting out to see some high school football. Do you get a chance to watch any college football during the season, watch as a fan, watch as a follower? I know there are probably some players you recruited that are back at Illinois. Do you, do you kind of get a chance to, to put a, an eyeball or two on college football over the weekend? I'm a sports fan. Yeah. Start with that. I'm a high school. I'm really a Texas high school football right. fan, right. of course. And then college ball. Um, so whenever I get it, I have some free time doing this time. Uh, I watch as many games as possible. I think I watch uh, most of the college games that were on this past weekend. Looking forward. Not really the only weekend that we as coaches, we talk about time off. Uh, this coming weekend, yeah, we'll get a chance to be high school fans uh, on Friday. And then, of course, Saturday to see all the games. I'm looking forward to that. USC and UCLA in the Big Ten. That just seems like a natural right. Well, not quite, though. <laughs> what do you think of that? Well, I mean, it does. A little bit, it does. Uh, maybe more so SC uh, mm. as a natural. I mean, there's so many classic SC, uh, Ohio, USC, oh, yeah. Ohio State games. Yeah. But nowadays, that's, that's what we have. There's realignment in NFL. So as we keep growing our game, that's mm -hmm. a part of it. And these super conferences, if you're a college football fan, you want to see a good game each week to bring in two powers like that into the Big Ten. And, and what, the, of course, the SEC has done uh, is pretty special. And I'm excited about the University of Houston going uh, to the Big 12, too. And, and excited about what – we have a lot of the Baylor Bears here. And, <laughs> and then the Texas Longhorns, the Texas A&M Aggies. You just look at the programs around here, you can get pumped up about ball. Yeah, there are a lot of players in the state of Texas in college football. There's no question about that. Coach, you did spend a few years in college. Did you – have you any sense of what those college years mean to how you do things now and, and how what impact those years in coaching college have put on you as now an NFL head coach again? Uh, absolutely. I, um, I, I think in an ideal world, if you're drawing the blueprint, I think you can benefit from being a, a high school coach. Yeah. In my situation, yeah, yeah. I was a junior high school coach. Same. Then I was a high school coach. And then to get a chance to work with college athletes, you just you, you have an idea of, of what the skill set is and how you relate to guys at those ages. I think it only helps you. And you learn about teaching fundamentals, which is going to come down to mm -hmm. whether we win or we lose. An NFL game this year is about fundamentals. And you get all of that uh, back then. It only helps you be a better professional coach. Coach, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck this week and next week as you get ready for the Colts. Anytime. Looking forward to it. I'm telling you, sometime Coach and I have got to just sit down and swap some stories about coaching junior high football. I'm sure those of you that have done it in the past can speak to some of the stories. I had one kid who is my favorite, favorite, favorite player almost of all time. I mean, he's just incredible. His name is William Milne. He never played football before, but he loved it. He always has a smile on his face. And I'm handing out pads back in the day when you had to hand out pads. And I gave him two knee pads, two thigh pads, two hip pads. And I gave him one butt pad. And he looked at me and he said, well, where's the second one? And it was at that point that I got into an anatomy lesson. William, how many knees you got? William, how many hips do you have? William, how many thighs do you have? William, how many butts do you have? And then, of course, he got it. And we always share that story when we get together. But, yeah, stories of coaching junior high football will be very, very fun. What's also very fun is getting the voice, Mark Vandermeer, in here to talk about 
anything in the NFL, but we're going to talk specifically about this NFL Top 100 that came out. Tom Brady's number one. Is that right? We'll do that next right here in Texas All Access. We are less than 24 hours away from knowing what the 53-man roster will be for the Houston Texans, but we got to wait a little bit. No major bombs coming out this evening. John Harrison, Mark Vandermeer with you. So, Mark, I saw this over the weekend, and I thought this might be a pretty good radio topic, especially with who ended up at number one. You know how I feel about the NFL top 100 players as voted on by the players. Mm-hmm. You know, I, this is one of my favorite shows. I try and watch this as much as I possibly can. Last night, number one, have you seen it? Do you know who it is? I have not seen it yet. Really? No, I did not. Watch. Johnny, I'm not boycotting it. But to me, this show should have been done a month ago. Do you realize True, the okay. Texans began training camp exactly one month ago? Yeah. Understand. All right. As far as the practices we saw, they were actually added a couple of days before that in undertime. Mm-hmm. So this should have been done in the third week of July. Once <laughs> yeah. you get to camp, who cares it's about all last about year? Yeah. You know, and they voted for the best player. Well, the best player, a lot of what you've seen in the last month here will have an effect on who's the best player for 2022. But I get it. They want to have a show, and good for them. Yeah. Who do you think was number one? Uh, it was Aaron Rodgers. He was the MVP. <clears throat> Brady. Oh, Aaron Donald. <clears throat> Not Brady or Aaron Donald. Oh, well, you said Aaron Donald. It is Tom Brady. It is Tom Brady. Tom okay. Brady, number one on this list. Now, you got the th- you got the top three, which I'm, I'm pretty impressed with, because I would have gotten the two. I would have gotten the two Aarons. I would have said Donald one, Rodgers two, or flip them either way okay because donald is so good at what he does yes he and watt three-time defensive player of the year award winners along with lawrence taylor the only three in history to do that we know that donald gets so much respect and deservedly so and it feels like we can't just go quarterback 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 all day you can't put josh allen or burrow or mahomes in there at three let's go ahead and put donald in the top three and brady and aaron Rodgers just have this sense about them the status about them mm-hmm. that they are head and shoulders above everyone because of their age how long they've been doing it it's right. longevity plus excellence it is definitely longevity plus excellence and then you think who's the best quarterback i don't know that i would say that tom brady was the best quarterback last year no. i mean arguably the best player last year i mean rogers obviously was the mvp middle there and rogers was exceptional uh with matt lafleur was at year three so year three they were together? Yeah, that's yes. the third year they've three been together. Three NFC championship games. Yeah. They Oh no. They can't they fell they fell short of the NFC championship game this past season, but they still went to that's right. the divisional round. That's right. They went to the divisional round and got smoked by the 49ers, which I thought was interesting. 49ers top player in here. Number 14, Trent Williams. But the 49ers are on here. Uh, who we just played, Debo Samuel 19, George Kittle 22, Nick Bosa 25. <laughs> I mean, that's insane. Fred Warner, 47. How many is that? Is that five? Oh, boy. Is that five guys I just said? Trent, Debo, Kittle, Bosa, Warner. Five in the top 47 of the league. Mm. Man. Uh, and that. And then they had Jimmy Ward at safety, and they had Juszczyk at 100. It's seven, seven guys in the top 100. But I wasn't sure that you were going to get number one with Brady because I don't know that I would have gone – I don't know that I would have gone with Brady at number one after last year, heading into 2022. And 
He didn't even sound like he was all that convinced he was playing in 2022 the other day. He's like, I'm 45. I got a lot of bleep going on, which I think your theory on that is a pretty, is a good one. By medical. The way. I think you're I, minor, relatively yes. medical procedure. That's my theory. I'm with you. Which, by the way, he led the league in passing yards last year. It was like 54 something. Whatever. It was the highest number in the league. Not that that's everything we see. Look, Watson led the league yeah. the year before in 2020, and look what that got you. Yeah, Not get, that it was his fault, but in much. 2020, you got a 4-12 record. We had one AFC South player. I say we. The division had one AFC South player in the top five. One AFC South player in the top five, two in the top 12, which kind of so, gives it away. Well, did they punish Derrick Henry and knock him out of the top five, or did they put Taylor in the top five? You just hit it. You nailed it. Jonathan Taylor at, t- at number five, mm-hmm. and they put Derrick Henry. They I punished guess you him. Could say they, pu- they, pu- they, they punished him for being hurt, yeah. Well, yeah, they punished him you for You got hurt. You are now punished. Now there's doubt. And it's so funny how injuries can be bad luck, right? It yeah. It can be just bad luck. People say wear and tear might be. Might be bad luck, depending on the injury, how you're hurt, whatever. But it's a factor. It creeps into your mind. I think it's more relevant to a guy like, say, Christian McCaffrey, where we all thought he was going to be worn out and injury prone. And look what's happening because they pressed the McCaffrey button too many times on the PlayStation. Look at him now. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Henry comes in at 12. Like you mentioned, Jonathan Taylor comes in at five. He led the league in rushing last year. That would have been a fascinating race had Henry stayed healthy. Because as Henry said, and I can't remember where I saw this, but I saw a video of Henry. He was doing, he was wearing an Old Spice shirt. So I think there was something with fantasy that he does, and he's an Old Spice spokesman. They were asking him about not drafting running backs in fantasy. And he just kind of went, he kind of went off. Derrick Henry's not the most boisterous guy, but he just kind of went off a little bit like, wait, what are you thinking? No, this is. You, you draft running backs in fantasy. You can get all the receivers you want later, but you draft running backs oh, in yeah. fantasy. And then he went on to say, I had almost 1,000 yards, and I played less than half the season. And when he said that, I went, whoa. Oh, Holy yeah. Smokes. He's right there, Johnny. He's he had 3,0 yards in a year and a half. Yeah. One more game, and he gets there last year. One more really good game. He's got no problem getting there. It's a weird deal. You know, the AFC South, this is running back you, okay, yeah. the AFC South, because when you go back to 2019 and Carlos Hyde and doing what he did mm-hmm. here with the Houston Texans, I wrote an article about this. I don't have it in front of me, so I apologize. But it's something like they occupy eight of the top ten slots over a three-year period, or you've had guys in those at one time or another, something yeah. like that. Because you look at what James Robinson did for the Jaguars in yep. 2020. Yep. And then you look at Henry in 2019 also. I mean, they had a lot of running backs do well here in this division. And it's far more known for running backs than quarterbacks right now. Yeah, it is. And I asked Nick a question about that at some point. To get to the playoffs, you got to win your division. And you've got to – I don't – I mean, his answer was great. In my mind, I think, look, if you're going to win a division, you got to stop Henry. So you got to beef up against the run. you got to stop Taylor. you got to beef up against the run. But if you are lucky enough to win the division, then you got to get out to the AFC, and all of a sudden you got to slow down Burrow, you got to slow down Herbert, you got to slow down Allen, you got to slow down Mahomes. And so the team that you have constructed to stop the run in your division, you now all of a sudden are you equipped enough to go win the AFC playing against quarterbacks that's slinging all over the yard? And look, I know it's a you know down the road type problem, I get that, but 
Luxury problem. It Johnny. is a luxury problem down the road, but it's it's a fascinating one because we've seen over the years in the NFL, whether it was offense or defense, oh, the run and shoot here. We heard it for years. Oh, the run and shoot looks great in the regular season, but then get in the playoffs, can't score from inside the five, can't make the play inside the red zone, all that kind of you gotta be able to run the ball. And then of course, you know, if they just won one time, well, maybe some of that would have been shut down, but they didn't. It just perpetuated that narrative. And I look at this and think, man, is that a is that a real thing? Like, we can stop the run in this division. We got an opportunity to be where we want to be, but then all of a sudden we get out to the AFC other world, and it's like, oh my gosh, do we have enough? We have enough speed to match up with Josh Allen and the Bills. It's a great and the point. Chiefs. Are the Titans themselves victims of this? Yeah, right? Absolutely, they have the top seed. Yeah. They go out in the first round. It wasn't like, well, you're facing Joe Burrow, right? And you got nine sacks in the game. Was it nine? Or was it six? Uh, Why do I have nine in my mind? I don't know. I'm thinking of David Carr week two against San Diego in 2002. That was nine sacks. It I was a lot of sacks. They got a bunch of sacks. Oh, you're right. Nine, nine times. Nine sacks. Yeah, Ferris Bueller, nine times. Nine times. In a postseason game. In a postseason game, it didn't win. That's unbelievable. I mean, that That's makes crazy. That makes the Tannehill situation that much more obscene. Are they victims of this? The year they had... The success on the road against the Patriots in the playoffs, and then they play the top-seeded Titans, win that game, but they can't win the shootout with Mahomes. Right? Is that because they don't have the quarterback? And yeah. you need that. You need that electric playmaking when you get to the postseason stage. And the Bengals had that with had that with Burrow. Yeah. I mean, I feel in some sense that the the guy you have to go against Mahomes has got to be able to generate some whether it's one play drives or a little bit of magic i mean joe burrow has a huge third down escape in that game massive third down escape he scrambles he gets out of it but he also threw some absolute dimes in that game too your quarterback's gonna have to carry you in a game against mahomes or carry you against allen etc so yeah stopping the run as we heard uh, lovey say earlier stopping the run is obviously key especially against the colts especially against the titans but Whatever team you're going to play, you got to be able to slow down the run. And in some cases, and some teams, like the Chiefs that don't run the ball excessively, just completely eliminate it from the game plan. Just completely, totally take it away in the first half and make them a one-dimensional team. And then maybe they play into your hands a little bit more. In the AFC South in the top 100, five Colts. Kenny Moore at 82, who I love. DeForest Buckner at 66. And, Mark, I think... Once we get to next week, we'll start talking more, a little bit more about the keys to the game and all that kind of stuff. But if the Texans, to our point about running game on their side, they're not going to be able to run the ball if they don't block Buckner and Grover Stewart. If they can't occupy those guys up front, then it's going to be a long, long freaking day. They won't be able to throw it either because that'll be pressure up the middle. Right. The interior of the Texans' offensive line has to do the job. Britt hasn't played the entire preseason Kenyon Green looked really good in the limited action he had in the third preseason He's playing his game. first NFL game, potentially. AJ Can is hanging in there. I think based on the fact that Britt didn't play, it must mean they feel really good about what they've seen out of Justin Britt in practice. Right. So let's just hope that you're up to the task here. You know, you'd rather open against a, an opponent where you can, you know, project a better situation inside. But maybe this is just what you need. Yeah. Just go up against Goliath. I know they didn't win the division, but they are your Goliath very much since you've only beaten them nine times in the history of the franchise. Go up against the Colts opening day. I'd rather even play them up there, Johnny. I'd rather be up there than here. Just get it done. Go up there, take your shot. But you know what? This place will be 
and Fuego on September 11th, noon kick, CBS tickets at HoustonTexans.com. One thing I will say, AJ can't play Jacksonville, so he's seen the Colts before. Britt played here last year. He saw the Colts twice. Mm -hmm. With Kenyon Green, there's almost this naive, like football naivete that I'm, I'm almost glad that he has so he doesn't understand, hey, 99 and 90 are really good. I mean, he's going to know that. He's going to be told that a million times, but he's just going to go out there and do his thing. And if he knocks one of them on their wallet, he's going to be like, yeah, whatever. You know, it's just football. And I kind of want him to feel that way. Just let your game speak for itself going against these guys. Don't get intimidated that it's, like, oh, it's the worst Pugner and Grover. Let us do that. What about Let the- us do that. But you just go ball. Just hit a guy right in the rib cage. What do you think of the Colts? tendency to get off to slow starts in seasons under Frank Reich. Let's continue that trend, shall we? Yeah, and if it's Matt Ryan his first game, I could see it. I could absolutely I could absolutely see on it. the road. Yeah, on the road. Everybody's trying to stop Jonathan Taylor, but Ryan can do some damage. You got Pittman, they're going to use him in creative ways. But eh. they don't, here's what they don't have. And and I, I don't, don't say why. Right. They I don't say this to jest. Paris Campbell has never been able to stay healthy. I don't even know what he can bring to the party. He's supposed to bring speed and dynamic ability on the field, but he's, he's never played. He's played, I think, one quarter against us in three years. That's it. One quarter against us in three years. So who's, who scares you? Meaning, which guy do you look at and go, Whew, that guy right there, Ooh, he could be a problem. Now, Alec Pierce can run. He's a rookie. He's, he's a rookie. So I, it only I don't know. takes one catch though to spark a big. It does. Drive. I know. My point <sighs> being that if they had Ty, Ty was always the guy that was going to scare us because he can run by anybody. It didn't matter who you had there; he's going to run by any and everybody, as he proved, especially in the game up there uh, in week six or seven or whatever it was last year. He's not on the field. I'm not going to say that the Colts are slow, but I don't look at their outside receivers and go, "Yeah, they they they're impressive." I, I just I'm not buying them just yet. So yeah, I'm gonna sell out. I'm gonna stop the run and see if I'm gonna make Matt Ryan on that day. Yes, the 2016 MVP. I'm gonna make him beat me. Two eight's not gonna beat me. I'm gonna do everything possible for two eight to not beat me. And if they gotta do it with play action and beat us over the top, hey, so so be it. You'll hit one. We'll give you. I don't give you one, but you're gonna get got at some point. You just hope that it's not enough. You just can't. Let them hit you over the top like they did in Indy last year. Hit over the top. Hit over the top. And all because guys aren't playing zone coverage properly. And then once they've hit you with those, then they hit you with Taylor 85. No. you got to shut one of them completely and totally down. And hopefully it ends up being Jonathan Taylor. Because I think they feed off of how physical they are up front. Sure. But once you slow down Taylor, provided you can do that, you have to find a way to make Matt Ryan feel old. Yes. 37 years old. Absolutely. You got to go hit the snot out of him Absolutely. on defense. Get pressure with the front four, like you said. Not have to send extra people. Let's get him in third and medium long at the very least and see what happens. We're doing keys to the game already, and it's 13 days away. My gosh. I know. Quinn Nelson comes in at 28, and Shaquille Leonard comes in at 18. Jonathan Taylor comes in at five. So the Colts. Ended up with five in the top 100. The Jaguars, no Jaguars, no Texans. Uh, Titans end up getting three. Wait, you're telling me Brandon Cooks is not one of the top 100 players in this league? I, you know, fan vote, okay. whatever. I no, I, I, okay, that's it's a great point. This is this is the the part that I always get into is because I love putting together my alternate eleven and oh this guy should have been this guy. Well, okay, who are you taking out? So let's look at the receivers. 
So I'm going from the bottom up. Would you take Brandon Cooks over CeeDee Lamb? CeeDee came at number 95. Look, CeeDee Lamb is an explosive type of playmaker. I think Lamb's low, actually. Right, but but the consistency. I still think Cooks is underrated. Go on. Odell Beckham Jr. at 90. Uh, here we go. This is, uh, this is the players. I mean, it's the players that come up with it. Next wide receiver is, wow, so Odell Beckham Jr. is at 90. The next wide receiver on the list, Jalen Waddell. We're going to see him. Wait a second. 63. That's that's pretty high. That's pretty high. Yeah. That's I mean, he just burst out of the I scene know. last year with a lot of catches. I, I get it. He's super reliable. You know who else is super reliable? Brandon Cooks. Yeah. Very super much so. reliable. I think OBJ is a really great receiver. I've said in the past, I thought he got too much credit for what he's doing mm-hmm. based on the fact that he was largely unavailable, hurt a lot. Right. And it just seemed and, like and he wouldn't be happy an anywhere. Yeah. So there was a lot of that. I was really comparing Hopkins to him at the time, thinking Hopkins was getting shut out of the notoriety by OBJ, who was yeah. in that NFL 100 wedding reception type commercial, right. which I really took exception to. I get it because they wanted to have the catch, but we had a guy here who caught the ball better than he did. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, and caught the ball that year in that stadium better than he did. Yeah, uh, Waddle at 63. Mike Evans at 50, uh, 53. I think Mike is the most criminally underrated receiver in the league. Ooh, I heard I heard a good story about him this weekend, Mike Evans. Mike Evans. He bought uniforms. So Galveston played. And I might get this wrong, so I apologize if I get the story wrong. Galveston Ball His played. High school. Yes. Yeah, played a game in Galveston Central attire. All right, Galveston. Galveston Central was an African American school. Ah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And they were honoring that school. Oh, very cool. And they needed uniforms, and he bought uniforms for Mike, the school. Mike Evans was on record as saying he went to – he. I mean, there have been numerous Buccaneers that have corroborated this. So Chris Godwin was an unrestricted free agent after 2020. Right. And Mike had signed a big deal a few years prior. And Mike went to Bruce Arians and said, take my money. Pay him and keep him. Wow. And and he wasn't he there have been there have been I think BA told the story, but multiple people corroborated it. And Evans kind of played it down, but he's like, whatever you need to pay him to keep him. And BA was like, we're not taking a dime from Wait, you. Wait, Brady no, no, didn't no, no, no. step up? There's no island in Fiji being I mean, promised by the Buccaneers. I, for I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Speaking of Hopkins, he comes in at 37. He's the next highest uh wide receiver. And then you've got a glut of wide receivers. Keenan Allen at 35. Stephon Diggs at 26, Jamar Chase at 24, that's low. Jamar's excellent. Debo at 19, Justin Jefferson at 17, Tyreek at 15, uh, Devontae Adams at 7, Cooper Cup was highest rated receiver at number 4. So, should Brain have been in there in front of a guy like OBJ? I think so. I think CeeDee Lamb is, is underrated. I think he should have been higher than 95, but you know, give him a full year with Dak this year and see where the Cowboys end up going. Wait, no, he had a full year with Dak last year. How'd that go? Well, they had, 12, they had 12 wins. Uh, 12 you know, wins. everyone remembers the playoff meltdown, okay? It wasn't quite a meltdown. If they get the ball spiked properly, they have a chance to win that football game. But they mishandled the final few seconds. So well, bad. the official was Listen, you can't leave that to chance. You need a little bit of a buffer, right? You want to get the spike down with one second to go? How about two seconds? Slide a little earlier. Stop me. Cooper Cup at number four, top receiver. True or false? Uh, right now he is, and you I have to give him too. his due for what 
what he's done, but it could be different this year. Chase might go off in a completely different oh. way in his second year. He had a phenomenal rookie campaign. Not as many catches as some of the other guys, but the yak and the yards per catch, outstanding. But maybe this year it is just, you know, 110 for whatever. Yeah. It goes in a completely <sighs> stellar direction, and he's the top guy in the league. I don't know. It could be somebody else. Burrow throws the T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Jamar Chase. Yeah, that's and Joe big. Mixon out of the backfield. CJ Uzama. Oh no, Uzama went to the Texans. Jets. Don't play them. That's good. Good, good year God. to yeah, not this play is definitely them. I like this uh, to uh, definitely. But miss next them. year, next year up there, yeah, Cincinnati. There. Yeah, because twenty twenty was here. That was a Brandon Allen joint. Also, we haven't seen Joe Burrow up close yet. I'm looking forward to that. We have not seen Joe Burrow up close. It's fun watching these. Also, next up year close. at Baltimore in that division. Aye. Yay! Wait. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, because they were here week two and Oh, that's right, because we went up there 17 for the Monday night game. Yeah. We met them at 29 is because we both won the division in yeah. 18. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, it's such a, I don't know, that play, man, 19, that was a hellscape. That was just, I wanted to be anywhere else but there. Deshaun got sacked on that first series. I'm like, uh-oh, we are in a world of hurt. I got a bad feeling about this one. It started before the game when Mike Adams got knocked the bleep out. Oh, yeah. In warm-ups. In warm-ups. In war- I mean, and then it We just- saw Jacoby Jones on the sideline before the game. Andre and I took a picture with him. It, and it was great to see the former Texan, but, oh, he's a former Raven, and yeah. that's where he had more success. And Ouch. He, had the, he had the ring there. So the top ten, Tom Brady, Aaron Donald, Aaron Rodgers, Cooper Cup, Jonathan Taylor. T.J. Watt comes in at six. Devontae Adams, we'll see him this year. He comes at seven. Mahomes, we'll see him, too. Jalen Ramsey at nine. And Mahomes' teammate, Travis Kelsey, who we will also see came in at number 10. So we will face Brady, no. Donald, no. Rodgers, no. Cup, no. Taylor, twice. Watt, no. Devontae, once. Mahomes, yes. Ramsey, no. Kelsey, yes. Oh, boy. It's going to be fun facing that roster of players this year, as is getting a little time with the General John McClain. That's next to Texans All Access. Yes. Yes. We got one final segment right here on a Monday edition of Texans All Access. I am John Harris. It's time to turn it over to John McClain, who joined us and gave us two thoughts. Well, actually, three on this Texans roster heading into cutdown day tomorrow. The two things that impressed me the most, well, say three. My player upgrades on each of the pregame shows the last two weeks was Davis Mills, because Davis Mills had not done squat in the first two games. And the way you could look at it, you could say he went seven series before touchdown, or you could say he had touchdown drives on three of his last seven series, which was much more impressive. And then he made a good throw in the end zone. It was intercepted because two guys made great defensive plays. So I thought Mills looking better, considering he's the most important player on the team, was the best thing that happened to the Texans, especially going against 49ers starters. And then uh, Kenyon Green, uh, I went back and watched the tape twice, and I and I focused on him. And I thought there wasn't any way he could play only once in preseason and be a starter. Well, he will start against the Colts because he is the most dominant run blocker that I've seen this preseason. You guys mentioned it, and, and a lot of the plays, he would hit a guy, and then he would go into the next level and take out a guy. So he was taking out two players 
per play, and that's why they took him with the 15th pick. But he is going to be a butt kicker. And if that running game against 49ers is reminiscent of what we're going to see in a regular season, when Justin Brett and Laramie Tunsil are back and, uh, and then Kenyon Green's in the lineup, boy, that bodes well for the running game. I thought Marlon Mack averaging 5.5 yards of carry. That's the first time I've been impressed with anything he's done. And Damian Pierce, you know, I've been talking about him since the day they were drafted and telling fantasy people to be all over him. So the running game, which, of course, is worse in the league last year, worse in team history, could be vastly improved. And defensively, the guy, uh, Kurt Heinish, has made the team, Big Heine. That guy just keeps making plays. And I know they, Lovey Smith beats around the bush on some of these guys. There's no way they're exposing him to waivers put him on the practice squad after how good Big Heine's looked in the preseason. And it was start to finish. So they got some depth in the defensive line. But I think the thing defensively we'll be watching the most against the Colts is how does Matt Ryan attack a secondary with four new starters, which is rare. General, we were talking about a little bit. So if you're listening, you heard the question I asked Mark, and that is if let's just say you make two claims of some sort, whether it's a waiver claim, whether it's a trade, whether it's uh, signing a vested veteran, but you come up with two guys that you bring into the 53-man roster, not so much the guys themselves, but the positions. What positions do you think Nick Casario, Lovey Smith would target with those two on the 53-man roster going forward? First and foremost is the one he made the only trade for in the preseason. It didn't work out. He tried to get a blocking tight end, Shane, from Miami, and he's a blocking tight end, and he couldn't pass his physical. And then Miami takes him back and puts him on injured reserve. So if Nick Casario thought they needed a blocking tight end at that point, and that's when Farrell Brown was healthy, and I think that they still need a blocking tight end. Now, maybe – they think T. Toriano is going to fill that bill. And uh, because if you expose him to waivers, you might lose him to another team that had a great on him. But they still need a blogging tight end. That group is banged up. We'll see what happens over the next 24, 48, 72, 96 hours as the 53-man roster starts to take shape. Big thanks to John, to Mark, to Lovey, to all of you. Thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.